Operator here. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Matrix Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything cyberpunk. In just a second, we're going to connect you to the cyberspace. So hold on to your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Cyberpunk Matrix podcast. I'm your operator, Alex, and today we're going to be talking in-depth spoiler reviews of the Matrix Resurrections with none other than resident neologist Lazarus from Neomatrixology. Thanks for coming back to the show, Laz. Thanks for having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, I know um, we were hoping to get uh, in a bigger group um, uh, with the Matrix podcast, a different podcast. There's so many of them, but um, right. <laughs> there has been technical difficulties with that. We've just been waiting and I, I just couldn't wait personally. So I said, all right, let's just have you on for now. And then maybe I'll, we'll be together next up uh, soon when that, that does actually Yeah, happen. I was going to say, he he postponed that, right? Though did, he, did, did, did we get a new date yet or no? I don't think we got a new date yet. Um, okay. He said he was he was figuring things out. Um, so, yeah, we'll see about that. But I yeah, just I've couldn't had, wait. I've, I've, had to, I've had to do some real world situating over here myself. So I yeah, get it. sure. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, this episode is going to be all about The Matrix. I don't know if you uh, caught my latest episode. Um, I actually talked about in-depth spoilers as well with my wife. Helena. Um, and she has, you know, she, she's not really into cyberpunk. She's not really into uh, science fiction in general. Um, and so it was very interesting. Like we had a really good discussion for a whole hour because yeah. she's a completely different perspective. She's not really into it. And so she's an objective outsider view. So that was really interesting, but um, now I need to talk to an expert to kind of balance it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No problem. So my first question to you is uh, first, I'm guessing you've seen Matrix Resurrections, surely, since it came out. Um, uh, how... Yeah, the count is up to six, I believe. Wow, that's impressive. So my question to you is, how did you see the premiere? And uh, yeah, let's start with there. How did you see the premiere for the first time? It's funny because so I bought the ticket on IMAX, which I tweeted and all that fun stuff. Um, but, you know, the same day uh, was Project Matriculated. So, mm, okay, yeah, you know, I knew I wanted to see it before that, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, because that was gonna be, you know, be my day. Um, yeah, so I caught, I think it was a, it was like a noon IMAX showing on, you know, the day that it uh released in the States, sure. Uh, you know, general public, I'm not press or anything, it was no early for me, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was, um, you know, one of the uh, one of the cosplay models was running a little late, so. It's funny because I told you the story of how I saw the original Matrix and I came in, you know, the original Matrix in 1999 on the yeah. scene where Trinity, like right before she kicks the, the cop, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. In bullet time, right? Yeah. So this time around, I'm running late and I walk in as Echo is getting ready to kick the cop. So that part was kind of cool. Oh, wow. Um, so you so you right. walked into the premiere a little bit late. It had already started, if I understand correctly. Right. But it but but I I I started the movie in the loop, the same place that I started the original movie. You know what I mean? So on a yeah. personal experience, it was like a loop <laughs> for me. 
Um, That's so interesting. Yeah. Now the first time it was probably my fault that we were late, but this time it wasn't my fault. Right. Um, Okay. But I also knew that, you know, I had, I had the HBO max and by then you could already watch it on HBO max. I just wanted my first viewing to be, you know, the big ice cream, you know, the IMAX, you know? Yeah. Um, But then after that, I watched it, you know, later. So. Okay. So I'm guessing uh, after that, you watched it in Project Matriculated with uh, a big group, and then you watched it four more times on HBO Max? Right. Well, well, Project Matriculated was for Beyond the Glitch. Um, oh, that's right. Okay, yes. But I did watch it again on HBO Max, and yeah, now the count is up to a total of six times. So that's five times on HBO Max, one time in the theater. And mm. then I, I went ahead and purchased the, I guess, the digital copy you know, the, or, oh, or wow. rather the streaming. So yeah. they don't give you a file like you have access to stream it. I hope for life. I don't know. But oh. either way, I, I needed something to have access to it while I wait for the hard copy to be right. released. You know, so. sure. So how, how did you buy the access to it? What platform did you use? Uh, if you go to what is the matrix dot com, it was like I think it's like it's like twenty five dollars to rent and thirty dollars to buy. So it's like, why would you rent it at that price? You know what I mean? And like, then when you <laughs> bought it, then you have to go to what is the Matrix online, and then you can stream it whenever you want, as many times as you want from that. So website. they have they have a like a list of like I guess service providers if you want to call it that. It's like YouTube. I use Google Play. Okay. Um, so basically, I have to put that link or click my purchase in a, you know, Google web browser and it'll just play it, you know, stream it from whatever purchased website that they use. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that way they can, you know, try to prevent you from pirating it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, but sure, you can still sure. watch it. It's just like, it's, it's just like watching it on Netflix or any other streaming service that comes up in a web browser, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was able to, I mean, I paid a lot of money to watch an IMAX in London because I happened to be in London for Christmas when it came out. Yeah. Um, so I did that and then it wasn't available online for purchase right. and I couldn't watch in the theaters where I am because I live in a little island of Corsica in the south of France in the Mediterranean Sea and they only had it in the French version. So I, gr- yeah. I regret to have to say that I did need to like watch it on a pirated website just once just to get that second viewing in because I just didn't have any more options. Um, yeah. I couldn't go to the theaters. And I felt like, you know, like I paid 50 pounds, 25 pounds for myself, 25 pounds. For right. You life. supported it. Right. I supported yeah. it well enough. So it wasn't like I was taking away any money from it and I'm going to buy the digital copy, but I want the actual file. I wanted to be able to put it on a hard drive, disconnect from the internet and watch it on any screen whenever I want. You know what I mean? So like I'm yeah. waiting for it to be able to be for me to be able to purchase it um in a file format and uh, yeah it's just where i am now it's it's very difficult to watch anything in english in the theaters um so that's just where i am um so what were your thoughts i mean once okay so everyone remembers their first time (laughs) so my question is what were your thoughts while you're in the film watching the imax premiere and what were your thoughts coming out of the theater okay so um you know, going in, um, I was very, very excited. It was very like kind of big day for me, you know, yep, um, yep. <laughs> you know, there was definitely that, you know, kid in Christmas, not sleeping much the night before yeah, factor and all that yeah. stuff. Um, so yeah, I was on short sleep. Right. And then because of project matriculated, I had to, you know, I got some of the, like, there was a couple of lines that I had to like redub in post, but I didn't get them from you know, everybody in Orlando till like maybe like a few days before. 
So then I took the version I had to vibe and sound checked it. And there were a couple of lines that were like low. So I wanted to raise the volume on them. Mm-hmm. So I had to like re-render everything. You know what I mean? And the night, right. And this isn't happening. Like the final render isn't happening until like, you know, the night before. And then I watched it and there was something else wrong and I had to re-render it again. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. So by the time mm-hmm. I, I got to sleep, it was like, you know, some ridiculous time like six in the morning or something ridiculous like that. oh no <laughs> right so you know what i mean so like but i had to have it done by right. the day so um Beyond you know what i mean day. so i'm like I'm, I'm on very little sleep um you know just the adrenaline is kind of carrying me at this point <laughs> you know what i mean and it's, it's pure adrenaline i'm excited to see the film i'm yeah. excited to premiere you know my short later um so yeah there was you know i, I it was oh, a good day you know whammy. Mm-hmm. yeah double whammy that's saying yes. i put a lot on myself that day yeah. uh but a lot of build-up like it's a lot of fun with that um you know, I didn't stress about it. It's all it was all in good fun. Sure. Um right. So sitting in the theater, now we're in the theater. Uh, like I said, I'm 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 kinda laughing to myself inside because I realize the part that we've already discussed that I'm, you know, looping myself here. Yeah. Um so there's some some meta matrix experience for me on a personal level. Did did you walk in and you were like, wait a minute, did, like are they showing a, the the first movie and I just missed it or is this actually Well, you got to remember, I had so <laughs> many spoilers going in mm. that I knew what I was walking into. Okay. So that made it even more like really, like this just happened really like <laughs> <laughs> cuz I didn't plan yeah. that, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um <laughs> Right. So, you know, um, so I'm having fun with that. Um, I did notice early on in the film, but it was pretty consistent throughout that the audience, you know, everybody else, the 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 general public, if you will, you know, not the necessarily hardcore Matrix fans or cyberpunk fans like you and me. um, They seem to laugh at every single meta joke, like everyone, everyone. And I'm, that's the thing. I'm really glad that I went to the theater and didn't just stream it. I'm yeah. very glad that I had the theater experience for this. Uh, it was important. Um, that was one reason. Uh, the other, the, the flip side of that coin is, and I laughed at some of them. It's not that I didn't enjoy some of them, but yeah. the stuff that I was laughing out loud at in the theater, mo- not, I'd say 90% of the time, 80% of the time, 85, somewhere in there, when I laughed out loud, I was the only one laughing. Yeah. Hmm. Like there was definitely stuff that I was picking up on that regular casual fans had no idea where what was happening, you know, or or, or picking up on those nuances. Um, So there was that part of it. I mean, and and that happens. It's not that's not like exclusive to the Matrix. I'm Hmm. weird and and strange like that. Um, But, yeah, I'd noticed the consistency with this film. That was something that was unique or new to me. The fact that, like I said, it was like every meta joke audience laughter and then i'm just like randomly laughing oh, okay um, <laughs> that's really great that they were responding though because you know oh they were uh, definitely responding and, like and, i definitely i definitely walked out of the theater like people like this you know what i mean so oh strange. that's great that, that was very different from my experience actually um so like like i said like i was hoping i was thinking to myself okay well the brits must be pretty rowdy right like they're gonna be as active because in the u.s americans are very very reactive sometimes they're almost too reactive in talking during the movie and responding to it right i right. wanted to feel that kind of energy um i felt it briefly when i watched what was it i think it was avengers endgame 
um, in the theaters. That was in, in Strasbourg, France. And so it was in the original format, but people did respond to it. Um, in this giant IMAX theater, though, in, the, in London, I thought it was going to be people were going to be very responsive. And some of them were, but maybe because it was so big, um, I didn't hear a lot of reactions. Like I couldn't really hear people responding to it. It was mostly quiet for the whole film. Wow. And then at the end, you know, I thought it was really great. And so I was clapping, but I was the only one who did. I was the yeah, only one who clapped. Yeah, yeah. And then as, as I was getting up, I heard, or I, you know, I went to the bathroom afterwards or something. And as I was leaving, I heard someone say, well, those are two hours of my life. I'll never be able to get back. And I was like, right. what the heck? I, I, did we see the same movie here? Like right. I was so shocked. And that was my first um, clue that people might not right. like this movie so much. <laughs> and we're going to get into that um, yeah. a little bit, but uh, just to kind of, I guess, finish answering your question. Um, Cause yeah, I felt like, you know, when you talk about like, you know, here in the States and people being reactive, mm. um, like I said, there was the laughter consistently with the meta jokes. Um, at the yeah. end, I wasn't the only one clapping. I'm not going to say it was standing ovation the whole theater. Sure. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I heard that there were multiple hands clapping. I wasn't the only one who enjoyed oh, yeah. it at that level. Um, it, was, it was just me out of, like, I don't know, 100, 150 people. It was just one person. But also, it's not really the norm in Europe, I guess. I know it's not the norm in France. Also, I, what, what day did did you go was it, it was the, the premiere it was, it was the, the 22nd? 22nd it was the 22nd at 1 30 okay. p.m okay. Um, okay in the imax theater in bfi london downtown um i think that maybe there were some theaters showing it at 10 30 in the morning that was yeah. a wednesday i believe um but yeah it was pretty much as early as you can see it you know the theater was packed like completely packed every every single seat was taken practically which gave me my own concerns because you know COVID and COVID, and right? And that's what I, that that that's funny. It's funny you say that <laughs> because when I went to because you know with the IMAX, I don't know about in France, but in the states with the IMAX, you know you have to pick your seating in advance now. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, um, and like when they announced that you could buy tickets, I you know I logged into AMC because I'm like a stockholder, so I wanted to like log in through the stockholder portal or whatever, <laughs> and you know what I mean, get my free popcorn. Sure. Um, and right, so I picked the seat like dead center in the back, last row, and I don't know, I got distracted, phone rang, something, and I came back like, I want to say a half hour or 45 minutes later, no more than an hour, and those seats weren't available anymore. Oh, wow. So I'm like, right, okay, let me stop messing around. I picked like a row down and maybe four seats over and got those, but then when we were there, it wasn't packed or sold out you know what i mean like there was definitely space like i was surprised that i had that experience where the seat that i wanted got picked up so fast but then when i actually went to watch the movie it wasn't a full house so that was i mean like i said with covid and everything i was happy to have the the extra space yeah but there was space you know what i'm saying like there was definitely like one seat between me and you know people i didn't know on the left hand and then like on the right side it was like three seats between us and whoever was sitting you know what i mean so there was like space that's really good because yeah there was no space between me and the others um what i actually did is i people arrived like 30 minutes late into the film which i was really surprised by and it already started kind of a lot yeah and it already started 20 minutes late into the film well i mean like commercials the commercials went till two so it was 30 minutes of commercials before the film actually started that's and then insane started, and then they were like 20 to 30 minutes 
late and they came into in, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, IMAX is very steep. So they came in from the back with uh, someone helping them find their seats with a flashlight. And I was thinking, Oh, that's like, annoying. Yeah. You should just block it. If you're that late, if you're 15 minutes after 52 an hour minutes, an hour after the official start time, just don't let them in. It's too late. You know, like you can't just for, I don't know. That's how I felt. I was like, you missed your chance. You know, you could, you should have arrived 30 minutes early. You arrived an hour late. It's not worth seeing the movie now, but anyways. Um, <laughs> so there was nobody to the left of us next to the aisle. And when I booked the seat, there was space. But then when we got into the theater, all the seats were practically taken. So I swapped seats with the further on the left so it was kind of like we're going to see the screen at, the, at an angle, but at least we had no one to the left of us. And mm-hmm. then we had no one to the right of us because the seats we were supposed to be in were empty. And we thought, okay, now we have space between us. But then the people arrived late and we got them to point, we pointed them to the seats that where we were at. So they right. were able to sit down, but then it was like shoulder to shoulder, completely packed. And, you know, yeah. for us, it was a really big deal that we didn't catch COVID because we were on vacation in London. We had to come back to France. And if we got COVID, we would have had to, you know, pay You've for a stuck. quarantine hotel. Yeah. Stuck there. So we were like, no eating anything with like heavy masks, like really yeah. kind of paranoid about that. Um, but everything was fine. We, there was no problem. Um, yeah. So um, I, it was really helpful for me to see the film a second time online. Um, and I remember thinking the first time I saw it, it was like a rush of adrenaline. Things were moving really fast. I felt like the pace was really fast, especially with the music. I like that, and, by the and, way. That's, yeah, not a, was, that's not a problem for me, but go ahead. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. So like, it was like a fast-paced adrenaline. I was like shocked at how fast it went. And a lot of things I didn't understand, like the artificial robot, uh, intelligence robots. Um, I mean, or machines. Synthians. The synthians, that's right. Um, so like... I kind of understood them, but I needed to watch it again. I definitely did not understand um, the uh, um, the modal. So oh, have you watched the video? I, I got a video for that now. I watched that video <laughs> that you posted, and that helped me understand it, honestly. And after just watching it once, I watched your video, and I was like, oh, okay. And then after watching your video, then I watched it online the second time, and I was able to fully understand, okay, like this is what it was. And um, since I went in knowing what was going to happen, the pace felt slower because mm-hmm. I knew it was coming. And I was like, wait, this doesn't mm-hmm. feel as fast as it did on the first viewing. So I was wondering, was that the same experience for you? Like, did the pace slow down upon? Oh, for sure. Viewing? Also, remember, I missed like the first, what, two, two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like when I walked out of the theater, that's part of your first question. That was the, the second thing in my mind was like, right, I have to watch this again. Just to yeah. make sure I didn't miss any dialogue that's important, which there's probably something, Yeah, you know, um, which there was because, you know, she said she mentioned the window, I believe, early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Because that's how they got into the modal and got out, too, as well. Um, right. So there was that me saying I got to, you know, piece whatever, you know, take whatever pieces I might have missed in those first couple minutes sure. uh, and get that back. But then, yeah, to your point. Yeah, I definitely agree. There was definitely a go, go, go almost. Um, I don't want to say Mad Max because Fury Road, I feel like, is like just really one hour and a half long chase scene. I don't feel like the movie was an hour or rather two and a half hour long chase scene. I don't feel yeah. like it was that. But just in the sense that it keeps going, it doesn't really have no too much downtime. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just go, 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 go. Uh, well, well, the pauses are the information dumps. But that's the thing because mm-hmm. of the like you said, it's it's still it's going very fast. Like they're saying it very fast. Like, yes, their monologues or their, you know, um 
you know, these expositions, right? But at the same time, they're giving you a lot real fast. Like they're not wasting any sentences. Sure. You know, so yeah. that part of it, yeah, you kind of have to watch it again. In fact, I think I tweeted that. I'm like, you know, if you watched it once and then quit, you're doing it wrong. Like you have yeah. to, you know, I mean, this is not new to this franchise. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you have to you have watch to it keep... several times to let the philosophy sink in. And, the, and, and uh, pick up the details, the Easter mm-hmm. eggs, all that fun stuff. And yeah. you, you mentioned philosophy. That's one thing. I mean, are we are we ready to start getting into, I guess, people's reaction to it or dislike uh, of it? Or? Not yet. We'll, okay. We'll okay. okay. <laughs> no, I'll say I, I won't forget this point, but we'll come back around to the philosophy thing. Um, all right. So where where are we on your timeline of topics to discuss here? I don't okay. So, so I, I kind of understand like your initial viewing. So I guess... I mean, like I gave it a 10 out of 10, the, that first viewing. What were your thoughts the first time? And then when you saw it again, when you had a bit more time to process it, did you like it more or less? Or like, how did you feel about I it? I wouldn't say that I liked it less. I would say that more flaws jumped out at me mm-hmm. yeah. later. Yeah. Not the first time, but later. But yeah. it wasn't. My thing is this. Even when I noticed them. They didn't take me out of the movie. It's not mm-hmm. something like like when people talk about shaky cam. Yes, shaky cam is a problem for me when it's happening to the point where I'm just can, all I'm focused on is why is the camera shaking? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I didn't feel that. Like I noticed the camera shake for a second in a trailer. I didn't really notice it in the action scenes when I was watching the movie. Like it wasn't like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, dude, stop shaking the camera. Like it, that wasn't the experience that I had. I get it that like if you're a cameraman, you might have felt that way. But yeah. for the most part, like I just feel like it's like a nitpick. Like, I don't know. It didn't take me out of it anyway. Sure. Um, so that's the point that I'm making. Like I, I I loved it when I saw it. I did not love it when I saw it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that I put a number on it in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in my head, I kind of more like was ranking it against the other films okay yeah i feel like i i thought that immediately because it's cyberpunk matrix my a lot of the blog is ranking out of 10 all these different media pieces so so i didn't have to rank it and like right you were going to do that anyway so you're like in that headspace exactly and so for me it was a 10 out of 10 and then the funny thing is when i went back to revisit it i could see how objectively it might not have been because 10 out of 10 is like perfect right I see how objectively it should not be a 10 out of 10, but for me personally, it still is because of how much I love the franchise and the series. And I think what's interesting too, is you also cover other cyberpunk. And I think that's the part where I get, I don't want to say frustrated, but it's like, really guys? Because my thing is, okay, are you comparing it to other Matrix films? Are you comparing it to other sci-fi films? Or are you comparing it to the Matrix sequel you thought you were going to get in your head? Yeah, well, I feel, I feel like most people that really dislike the film, they compare it against the first Matrix film. And it's just, it's impossible to hold it up to that standard. Right. And it, it sets you up. And for every the, sequel is, every Matrix sequel is going to have that problem. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so uh, this leads me to, before we discuss why people dislike it, because we're kind of veering in a territory, um, did the spoilers, so you watched spoilers, you watched a lot of the spoilers. Oh, I um, went in there as spoiled as, as spoiled anyone. As possible, right. so <laughs> I, I remember, um, and, and like, they were getting to the point where I was starting to, you know, they were going on to the um, talk shows, and they showed that scene where Neo meets Morpheus for the first time. And in the bathroom. Like, no, 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 no. Um, I didn't want to see that. Then I saw, and then once I saw the movie, I was like, okay, that didn't really spoil anything. What did spoil the movie for me is, you know, was it February 2020? I think, yeah, the San Francisco shoot. Yes, this San Francisco shoot, and so that big climax 
where Trinity right. catches him. I was like, well, yeah. I mean, all, all the all the big action, right? All the big action was that that the San Francisco leaked footage was like the climax of the movie. So that's fair. Yeah. But that was like one of the earliest spoiler leaks. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. But like every, I remember uh, there was a gasp in the theater when she stops him in midair and pulls him up. And I remember right. thinking in my head, I was just like, yeah, did you guys not see that? Oh, right. I'm a mega right. fan. You right. guys they did not see that, that at all. Picture. They had they didn't no idea they that coming. any of that happened. Right. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I, I remember thinking to myself, like, gosh, like, I really wish I hadn't seen that because maybe I would have been as shocked as them. And I deprived myself of that experience. So my question to you is, did being as spoiled as you were <laughs> with the spoilers, did that kind of change your viewing experience, especially at the end? Or I, I think I think it did. It? I, personally, I think it did in the not way people would expect. I think that because I had so many spoilers, I wasn't as confused, you, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 you know, and I get it. A lot of my, I guess, uh, how do you put it? Foundational understanding of the things that were going on is because I had all that matrix online experience and knowledge. And that's mm-hmm. a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just the fact that I saw a lot of spoilers, but when you combine the two together, like I said, I just feel like I was totally prepared where we're talking about watching it a first time and then watching it a second time and that you're probably going to want to do that just in terms of just the pacing, yep. you know, um, now when you understanding talk about, the plot and so on, like there are other things that are, well, that's what I was going to say. When you're talking about understanding the plot, it's yeah. almost like I did watch it once before I walked in. You know what I mean? So when you're talking about plot points, my first viewing was almost my second viewing. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So I'm like, even though it's moving fast, I'm following a lot of the plot. There's yeah. a couple of questions here or there, but for the most part, I was riding with the whole thing. Like, I'm like, I, not, and that's the thing. Yes. So I'm not surprised that Trinity, you know, flies away at the end. But um, I guess for me, a lot of what makes the surprise factor in the Matrix so impactful is the first Matrix. So once you know what the Matrix is, like, it's like, because, like, again, I had that experience of having yeah. no idea what the movie was about yeah. and going in and being totally mind blown. Yeah. So now, all right, now we're past that. So now it's like, what's next? You yeah. know what I mean? There's nothing else to shock you much more than understanding what the Matrix is. Right. Although I will say that it was really interesting for me to think um, with the sentience, like, there can be machines on the side of the humans and the machines against the humans. And now we have this nuance that like, it's not as simple as just machines, bad humans, good. You know, it was um, knowing that they can be disagree with each with themselves. You know, I yeah, thought that no, was really and, interesting. And that's a, d- a dynamic that existed in the matrix online with the cypher rights. You mm-hmm. know, it was a machine faction, but we had different ideologies. I mean, you can even say that with the, um, the EPNs, the Eplorbius Neos and the Zionites, like or old school Zionites, you know, they had different views on certain things. So, sure. you know, and, and, and in a way, in both cases, it was like their uh, subtext or, or reference to extremism, you know, or, or religious zealots on the on the Zion side. Um, right. But but you get what I'm saying, like they were a, a separate faction within the Zion faction, a separate faction within the machine faction. It was interesting because the Mervs didn't get split like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did have this experience. And, and that's the thing, it wasn't necessarily a civil war, but when you get into civil war, the machine civil war, you did have the general the general sentinels against the machine city machine. So we did see these kind of 
things, you know, previewed, right. I guess, or, te- or field tested in the Matrix Online. So that right. part of so it, was it wasn't new for you, but it, it was new for me. And it's funny because it's correct like, when I think about the programs, I can think of, I mean, non-human entities fighting each other with uh, Smith versus the Oracle, for example, or the architect versus the Oracle. But to have them do the same thing in the real world felt kind of novel that in retrospect, it's like, well, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. Like when Bug said, you know, you changed, uh, you know, the definition of of which side is which, you know, um, yeah. that that was pretty fun. Yeah. I, I like, I, I love that aspect of, I guess, I don't want to say um, cyberpunk, but just the, the whole, I guess, AI conversation you know, mm-hmm. this idea that it's not necessarily a hive mind and that there is, you know, individuality and choice can exist for a machine and all that. That's fun for me. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that kind of leads us to how the situation is now with the Matrix Resurrections. Um, so I wanted your thought, uh, thoughts on why so many people dislike the film. But to to lead into that, I want to give a bit of background because um, I was doing a bit of work today on, on um, writing a blog post for the future of cyberpunk and that's going to be coming out on saturday um the future of the genre of cyberpunk and that's very much impacted i think by matrix resurrections so i have the numbers here on how it's doing and it, and it looks grim um okay so it released matrix resurrections released on december 22nd alongside sing 2 and the king's man uh, and now this is also a week after the blockbuster Spider-Man No Way Home, which is doing just absolutely amazing in the box office right now. And I guess I understand that. Um, they projected $40 million gross that it would earn over its five-day release, and it actually only grossed 22.5. Um, its weekend itself only grossed $10.75 million, and that's worse than Wonder Woman 1984 a year prior around Christmas time. Um, and as of two days ago, um, Matrix Resurrections has made a total worldwide gross of 148.6 million, but its budget was 190. So it's still 40 million dollars away from breaking even. And we know what that means if a movie doesn't make money for the production. Um, so I well, I disagree in pandemic times. I think that the old box office rules are not the right now box office rules. Oh, okay. All um, right. That's now, in fairness, what I will say is, you know, just having talking talk to a couple industry people or people, I guess, more in the movie industry, um, you know, they say that, you know, the, 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 the budget that we see is the production budget. That doesn't count the advertising budget. So they spent more than $190 million when, you you know, talking about well, really, posters not, all over the world. Yeah. It's not including the market. I thought that included the marketing because it, usually it's a. Does not. It's a, so, it's a range that I see. But well, to that point. Media, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But to that point, though, that's always the case. So whenever we're talking about a budget, the mar- movie budget, the marketing budget isn't in there. So, you know what I mean? Like when people mm-hmm. are talking about it, it is not considering the marketing budget. So, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm, I'm saying that just, I guess, as, you know, free information, it's not sure. going to change my uh, perspective on the numbers that you presented. But what I wanted to say, like I said, if it's what, 50 million under 40 million under breaking even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, in, in the pandemic times, what we don't, the number we don't have is how many people subscribe to HBO Max just to watch The Matrix Resurrections. Right. And now that's something that I think may have heard. And that I realized I was like, oh, man, well, you don't have to go to the theaters if you can watch it five times 
over and over again at home, which is kind of like what you did, right? Like I didn't have right. that option. And also HBO Max, unless if you have a VPN, is only available in the in US certain and countries, Canada. right? Yeah. France, you can't get it. Um, I mean, I was able to get it because I got a VPN, but like it's in general, you can't you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so what I'm going to say though is when uh, said Warner HBO decided to do the simultaneous release mm-hmm. you know i don't i don't work there i don't know who did the numbers i don't know what the projected numbers were but what i'm telling you is by them making that choice they specifically were saying we're trying to pivot people into the streaming subscriptions yeah. you know they're trying to they're, they got a late start they're trying to catch netflix and disney plus Amazon Prime, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they're behind. So they're trying to play catch up. So to me, I'm I'm thinking more than yeah, of course they want to make a lot of money at the box office. They want to make money wherever they can. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? Like that wasn't the first goal. To me, the first goal was getting as many HBO Max subscriptions as humanly possible. That's the model that they're trying to transition to, I guess, preparing for the new normal. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I, I just think that that was more important to them. Now, did they hit their targets on that side? No idea. They don't have to share that information, just like Net- Netflix doesn't share those numbers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so that part we're in the dark about. Um, I I know a lot of people said that they were going to watch it on HBO Max, though. Um, the real que- the, the second question is how many people uh, unsubscribed immediately after watching it? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, but but you get the point of what I'm saying. There's numbers in the Matrix Resurrections. Um, you know, I guess gross formula that aren't counted when we're talking about pure box office numbers. The second part of that, I guess, Warner numbers conversation is that, you know, the, the whatever CEO or executive that they talked to from Warner said, if Lana wants, if Lana wants to make more matrix, she can make more matrix. And he said that before the movie was even released, then prior to that, they already greenlit Dune 2. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I feel like Warner is looking at this like, okay, if it came out during the HBO Max release year, it gets a mulligan. Or rather, you know, if we believe in that franchise, we'll keep going with it, whether or not it broke even or not. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like that's not necessarily a concern when it comes to more Matrix. I think there are, you know, other things that we should be worried about. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but part of the consideration, sure. But part of the consideration is also the reviews. And I think that Dune, uh, as that example, kind of received more across the board positive did, reviews. Did you um, watch Dune? I did. I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed it. Well, I'll put it this way. And I don't want to take too much time off of Matrix for Dune. But what I will say is I did think that it was a reimagination that was deserved. Mm-hmm. You know, I like what they did compared to the original. Sure. But my point is, it's a reimagination of the original. Like, it's not like for as much positive press as Dune got. I'm like, how are you guys killing Matrix? It, you know what I mean? Like, you couldn't say one bad thing about Dune without getting, you know, the Dune fan mob on your your, your, your Twitter thread. But I, I'm like, to, I guess what I'm saying is to me, I think Matrix was a better movie. Yeah, it had mm. flaws, but like, I, I just didn't. And I enjoyed Dune. I just didn't think there was anything super special about it. And I thought the way that they ended it was like, like where they stopped it was like, really? Like, I just, I don't know. Right. Cause it's a part one It's meant to be a two part film. Right. So that's what I'm saying. How, how was, how was part one? How was an incomplete film that much better? 
and the Matrix Resurrections. I'm just not. I'm. I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't get me. Like I said, it was visually, it was great, but like you know, there was nothing in there that just made me go, "Oh my god, this is the greatest movie." You know what I mean? I could just. I didn't see that. Well, perhaps it's more that there's nothing offensive really from Dune, and there were some elements that were apparently offensive to others right. from Matrix Resurrections. And we're, that's a great segue into this is the the stuff we're getting into. Yeah, yeah. So, what's with all the hate? Why do you think that there are people who disliked it so much? Uh, according to you, what do you think? Well, so the first part that you started with is comparing it to the original Matrix film. I said that before yeah. the movie even came out. You know, yeah. I went in going, you know, saying that. There are going to be people who compare it to the original Matrix. We already know that it's not going to beat that. Accept that and your life will be better. Um, <laughs> now, after that, this is before seeing the movie. Yeah. I knew because of all the different sects of, you know, online groups who co-opted the Matrix for their own movement, you know, they were going to be upset because, like, you've already turned what existed into what you wanted. So, of course, the new movie isn't going to be what you turned it into. <laughs> it's going to be mm. what the people who made it turned it into. You know, mm. they're going to be different, period. Um, and then, you know, you had the Lily Wachowski tweet drama and all that stuff, the Elon Musk stuff. So, yeah, the people who, you know, I guess, you know, co-opted it for whatever online movement, there's more than one. It's not just the uh, QAnons or, you know, the the Red Pill movement. You know, there's, you yeah. know, there's a bunch, you know. Um, so mm. I figured most of those groups were going to be upset no matter what they did. Mm. Um. So after seeing it, what I came and actually this is not just after seeing it, but because I have a YouTube channel where people bring their observations to me and mm -hmm. someone made the point to me. And then when I watched it again, it, it, it made more sense or rather I noticed what they noticed. I'm not as well versed in psychology. This was the philosophy thing that I said we were going to circle back to when you mentioned the philosophy sure. of the original films before. Yeah. Uh, I felt like where the subtext in the original especially the original matrix but you know throughout the original trilogy and even in you know some of the animatrix and so on and so forth there's a lot of philo philosophical subtext mm -hmm. okay references to plato's allegory uh, cave allegory and you know um different philosopher uh thought experiments kind of snuck in here and there with the matrix resurrections they replaced that philosophical subtext with psychological subtext okay oh. <laughs> right you got the analyst you've got all these different um relationships you understand what i'm saying mm -hmm. neo's relationship with smith neo's you know wanting to have a relationship with trinity neo's relationship with jude you know you've got all these different relationships so the original matrix makes you think in a philosophical way and then it's got all these religious references yeah so it's inviting you to feel but it's inviting you to feel through your beliefs, okay? Mm. Now, in the sequels, you know, Reloaded, uh, especially Revolutions, it's then asking you to choose what you believe, okay? Yeah. Uh -huh. And it, it's inviting, like I said, just choose your own adventure. You can get out of it what you want, you know, go as far down that rabbit hole as you choose to as an audience member mm. with Resurrections. So, right, so even then, we, we saw there was backlash with some of the sequels before. Okay. Yeah. With revolutions we, in particular. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what I'm saying. And cause that's the one that asks you to participate the most. Okay. Mm. You got to fill in the most questions for that one. Um, it's more work for the audience. That's number one. Number two, again, it's, it's this, you know, when people talk about religion, they're very passionate, you know, 
Um, so yes, it makes you feel, but I feel like that's part of that, I guess, rejection for revolutions. There are other things, but that's an avenue or an aspect. With resurrection, now you're talking about psychology. Again, you're inviting the audience to feel, but instead of religion, now it's really, really rooted in their own feelings because it's psychology. Hmm, okay. So you're only going to see it the way you feel like seeing it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Especially, you see what I mean? Like with, with the with the religious and the philosophical subtext stuff, like you kind of have to, I think you have to be more aware of that you're picking up on those references. Uh-huh. Whereas with the psychological stuff, it might trigger you and you don't even know that it triggered you. Hmm. Interesting. You know, there's this, there, I just feel like there's a different flavor of vested audience uh, feelings in the Matrix Resurrections that I don't know, I don't want to say that people weren't ready for. I just, like I said, I think it's something that it can subconsciously affect you and provide this over the top projection reaction. You know, people are projecting their feelings of things onto things in it. And I'm just like, eh, okay. Like I said, it's, I feel like most people who are complaining are comparing the film to their expectation and not other films not even the other matrix movies in a lot of cases yeah they're just saying i wanted to see x y and z and i didn't see x y and z so i hate it yeah and they kind of make fun of that of like people who love the matrix one so much with this kind of meta uh analysis um but um i don't know i i feel like a lot of the uh see see uh, real quick though I, i've heard that and for me as a fan personally i didn't feel attacked i felt like it was more of a commentary on the people who Lana and, you know, probably Lily had to deal with, but more so this round Lana, mm. you know, I mean, I'm sure this whole 20 year journey for them, I think it was more about the people telling them what the matrix was about when they made the matrix. <laughs> mm, <laughs> I, I don't okay. think, I don't think it was so much a slight towards matrix fans. I just think it was, you know, maybe like that Neil line, maybe she put too much of her into it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that that was part of their personal experience, having created the original trilogy and now, you know, preparing or, or creating the sequel. Like, right. Everybody always tells me what the Matrix is. How are you going to tell me? I, I wrote it. <laughs> I see. Because um, I felt like when I watched those scenes, it was kind of like they were making fun of, in a subtle way, people who took the Matrix too seriously, that they were they just deified that first film and they wanted to remake that again re- like remake that magic and it had to be exactly like that so they were trying to like break it down with all these um marketing terms that were very like general but not really specific and not really helpful in any way and and so it was kind of like poking fun at people who just took matrix one way too seriously and who just deified the trilogy in general saying like you know relax about this i mean it, it was what it was it's a good film but like it you don't have to put it up on that pedestal to that level you know i mean i guess i i i feel you i do feel that relax energy a little bit mm-hmm. um but i think how do i put it i think it was more more towards this more towards these, the warner brothers the producers yes the marketing departments and the people mm-hmm. that they have to deal with that's mm-hmm. that's where i feel like that energy was more shifted towards i don't think it was shifted towards the fans and I guess my, I don't want to say proof or my validation is Berg, the neologist, like him and Lexi, you know, I love Lexi, by the way, but <laughs> their characters, yeah, I felt like were for the hardcore fans. Like these yeah. are, 
you know, he- heroes in here. They're not Neo and Trinity, mm-hmm. but I felt like they represented us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they weren't made fun of. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he had that line, like, when she's like, she's asking about Neo's crew, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're all going to die. Oh, I thought that was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but um but you know what I mean like I felt like I I felt like that was more the representation of the hardcore fan mm. than you know the meta being made fun of. I I think that was more corporate salt. And and okay. You know, I got I've got respect for that. Like if she's in a position where, you know, she can poke fun at them and they'll still cut her a check. Yeah. <laughs> more power to her, you know what I'm saying? I like, yeah, I was surprised <laughs> that they mentioned the Warner Brothers in name in the film. Yeah, I was like yeah. They could have just said producers. Um, they actually said Warner Brothers. I was like, wow, like they actually made the cut. I was surprised. Well, there's a couple things. There was that. That kind of jumped out at me as like, oh, is this a joke? Or like, how, how much joking are we doing right now? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, oh, I lost it. Uh, what was the other thing that surprised me? Oh, right. The whole, just the whole Niobe stuff. Her information dump. Oh, sure. Because all you had to do is not say those two or three lines, and we don't have that debate. Um, I think in the live stream that um, this, my last two live streams with Vesuvius and Starshore, who did the original Matrix 4 podcast, basically us going through all the Matrix Online stuff in Vesuvius' okay. podcast series, mm-hmm. um, he was a guest in the last two live streams on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just talked about how, especially if you read the text, like if you look at the quote-unquote transcript or the version that we have, you know, the oh, subtitles. Okay. Uh-huh. And it jumps off at the page. It's like, right, she didn't really retcon anything. Yes, in the first listing, it sounded like she did. But when I actually looked at what she said and broke down what actually happens in the Matrix Online, I'm like, well, those could coexist. Like, it doesn't, you know what I mean? There was nothing specific enough. She said just enough for you to feel like it was retconned, but she didn't say enough to retcon it. <laughs> oh, okay. So it can't yeah, be sh- yeah. yeah, and I'm sure that was deliberate. You know what I mean? Like. There's those kind of things in the Matrix universe aren't accidents. Um, but yeah, I, I am a little disappointed that, again, I get it. I get that that's the natural first reaction. Um, but I am a little disappointed that so many people ran with it because it's like, well, first of all, how many people even really know what happened in the Matrix Online for everybody to be saying the Matrix Online was retconned? Um, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There can't really be that many people who even know what happened. Um, and that's the thing. I feel like it's a lot of telephone game, a lot of repeating and regurgitating, you know, something a mm-hmm. hot take or something that and you know the other side of it right oh this is the more important answer to your question when you say why do so many people hate it and this there might be a level of irony here if you want to look at it that way but uh, this is a real thing even prior to the matrix resurrections the especially on twitter but youtube does it too the algorithms for youtube twitter instagram Social media. Now, see, Instagram is more pictures, so it doesn't have the effect that we're going to talk about. Right. But the algorithms on all these social media sites, what is their primary objective? What is their main goal? For people to uh, interact with the content. Yep. Leaving Engagement. Yep. Engagement, interaction. Mm-hmm. I want you looking at my platform for as long as we can possibly keep you here. Mm-hmm. So what it then does is it realizes that us people, well, when they get, when you get into an argument, when there is a polarizing debate, when there's something where one side, you know, where you can take red or blue, where you can be on one side opposing another, oh, we're going to stick around for that. Yeah. Not only are we going to stick around for that, we're going to retweet, we're going to like, we're going to share, we're going to tell everybody about it. You know, oh, mm-hmm. can you believe what this guy said? Mm-hmm. This, that, and the third. All that engagement spikes when mm-hmm. it's a polarizing debate. 
and the algorithm pumps that to us. It's promoting that to us. It wants us to get in on the on the argument. Sure. Yeah. So you've got sixty percent, or, or by Rotten Tomatoes, you've got sixty three percent saying they loved it, forty seven percent or thirty seven percent saying they hate it, whatever it is. Mm. And the hate side is always louder than the love side. Yeah. And yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, and I think that's how we ended up where we were. Then you get the YouTube videos in there. Guys are getting views because they say they hate it. Okay, let's keep running with we hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So so do you think that a 63% uh, is a valid review of it? Do you feel like Matrix Resurrections should have gotten higher of a of a rating um i mean because there are some things that you can uh, it sounded like you said that there are objectively some things that could have been improved once you saw it a second or third or fourth time so yeah well i don't put a lot of stock in the ratings i've definitely heard stories of payola and you know somebody explained to me oh well that's just people you know writing editorials that's not actually the score and i'm like well where does it end you know what i mean like somebody's score then (laughs) you know like i don't know um but that said, uh, to answer your question, I, I do feel like, you know, the stuff we talked about before, that there's some unwarranted hate, that there's some, you know, um, invalid hate that I think that exists. But, yeah, there are things, uh, for example, like V of Vesuvius does uh, mixed martial arts, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. So for him, he was like, yeah, there was a martial arts element that wasn't there. Now, mm-hmm. we all know that that was the lack of Wu Ping. When you have Wu Ping doing your fight choreography, yep. it's going to look dope. Now, yep. I'm not going to, but, but that said, even though I can totally respect and agree with somebody saying that the Kung Fu missed the Wu Ping factor, uh, I think his name is Joshua Growth. Whoever did the fight choreography for this, you know, he, he, I think he did Sense 8 and something else with Lana. You know, he doesn't have anywhere near as much experience as Wu Ping. But again, the action scenes didn't take me out of it. It wasn't like, oh, this is so bad to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, some pe- some people felt that it was that way. I get it that it wasn't the martial arts level that we saw in the previous trilogy, but the action scenes weren't like, oh, this is boring or this is you know not good fight choreography. I just didn't. I didn't get that. Now I did notice that there were like a lot of wall, wall runs because there's like one where Neo does it twice. Yeah. Um, but I noticed other people doing doing it too. So. I noticed that I felt like that move might have gotten overused a touch. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like all this is nitpicky kind of, okay, a little bit here I could have taken away or a little bit here could have been, you know, a different move. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? At, at that level, what are we really talking about? You know, I just, I don't know. Well, for, for well, I'm going to push back a bit here because for people who really appreciate those details of action scene choreography, it is something that's very noticeable. I mean, my first right. Viewing... That's what I'm saying. That's why I brought up Vesuvius because for him, it's definitely noticeable. Absolutely. I'm not. A, I'm not a martial artist, so that's what I mean. For me, that I can see that it's not as clean mm-hmm. and, and as thorough as before, but it's not ruining it for me. All right. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, um, I believe uh, Tiger Chen helped with some of the choreography in the original trilogy. And Yemo Ping was the main choreographer, but also Chad Stahelski right. helped with some of the um, stunts. Now, Chad Stahelski is famous for the um, director for the John Wick series, and also he plays Chad. <laughs> and also Neo's stunt double in the original Matrix trilogy. That's right, yes. And yeah. so. Um, Which is part of the meta of Chad playing Chad and playing Trinity's husband. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so that was really enjoyable. But, um, yeah, so like, I watched a lot of other films that Yen Wuping has uh, choreographed, like Hidden Tiger, 
um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and then um, the Ip Man series, if you've mm-hmm. seen that on Netflix. Yeah. And no, it's Ip just such beautiful choreography. And so I immediately noticed that difference here. And I felt like a lot of some of their old fight scenes in the original trilogy were long shots. And that's something that I talked about um, in my other podcast that I love long shot action sequences. I mean, you have long shot with John Wick, but it's with guns and it's it's still kind of shaky cam. You know what I mean? So well, I, I'm talking about long shot where it's just like you're seeing it kind of from afar or you're looking close at their action. And you have that in the trilogy. And I feel like the fight with the Merovingian that kind of was missing a bit. Um, and so that's something that I was a bit disappointed by in the fir- with the first viewing. But now when but you mentioned it, you know, you mentioned Chad and he didn't, you know, he's not credited for doing the fight choreography. But again, you had Chad, Tiger Chen, you know, all these 8711 guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I when I knew that coming in or, you know, whatever with the channel, you know, going through the information of who's on the cast and crew. I expected it to look more like John Wick action film. You know what I mean? Because you got oh, yeah. the whole John Wick crew on the set. Um, yeah, that's true. So mm-hmm. that's why it wasn't surprising to me. Um, mm-hmm. And, and um, someone else, like how somebody mentioned the psychology uh, aspect uh, in comments on my channel, someone else mentioned an even potential deeper layer of commentary or subtext that might be designed for the filmmaking industry. Now, again, I made a short film. I would not consider myself a filmmaking insider, you know? So Mm -hmm. if there is some type of inside subtext for that uh, industry, you know, I might not have picked up on it, but he was basically talking about um, this like um, (sighs) descending chaos or, you know, it starts like as Neo is more confused, there's more chaos in the action. And then as he gets closer to Trinity, it cleans up. Um, so mm-hmm. I, that, that that's something that I, I want to watch on uh, next viewing to see if it's consistent uh, to the theory. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I did feel like swarm mode was a bit smoother in terms of the action scenes and the swivels and stuff as he's going away. Although I will say I'm a bit disappointed with how he just uses his hand as like the force to push things. There's no more guns. There's no more like it's not quite as Kung Fu focused, I suppose, like when he uses that move. It looks impressive, but it's not as fun to watch, objectively speaking. Yeah, I, I like the force push stuff. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I like. I, I mean, and I also because of the San Francisco leaks, I could see in those shots the shield. It's almost like you know makeshift behind the scenes. So yeah. like whenever he actually did that move in the shot i'm like oh that's a shield shot you know what i mean like so i could like you just spoiled it like crazy oh my gosh yeah <laughs> You're like, okay well they did it like this and they're actually flying over san francisco right now right 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 right. <laughs> oh my gosh um uh, let's change gears for a bit from talking about the details um to some parts that i was a bit confused about and so like i'm still i think i kind of understand but i still have some questions so i thought i'd go to the master um to the source as it were to ask you if you can explain these things to me. Um, the first thing is, what does the cat déjà vu mean in the movie? So I would say the déjà vu cat is some more meta. I mean, it's just a reference to, you know, the uh, the glitch in the Matrix scene. We also know that we see the déjà vu cat at the end of Revolutions when they clean up after the fight. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the original Matrix film, he says déjà vu. 
you know, what exactly did you see? You know, then Cypher right, no. tells us that they I trapped know, them in there. I know um, that from the references in the past. What I mean is like, I guess what I'm, what I'm asking is it seems like deja vu is some sort of weapon, some sort of tool that the analyst needs to access in order to do a time jump. Because when there is the big brawl that fights when Smith enters. Yeah, he's he's reaching. He's clearly reaching for the cat. That's not, that's why I went back just, I guess, for your audience or for your listeners. OK, mm. you know, to uh, I was I was uh, defining the tool as we saw it in the original trilogy. OK, so that way, you know, when you get to the analysts in Resurrections, it still has that cleanup or we're changing something functionality. Mm-hmm. But okay, I see. to your mm-hmm. point, though, where we saw the cat in the original trilogy, we don't see the architect. We just see the cat and something changes. Sure. Yeah. With Resur- Resurrections, clearly he needs the cat in order to pull this off. So, And yeah. that might be part of maybe the quote unquote suits have given the an- analyst limitations. He's not all powerful in the Matrix the way perhaps the architect was or something mm-hmm. like that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so then the, but do you think that the deja vu cat, he uses it to do these loops to jump back in time. And so when we see the cat, we know that something is like, a, there's going to be a time tamper. Yeah. He doesn't, I don't think he needs the cat for bullet time. Yeah. I think he needs the cat when he's trying to completely reset the scene. Like when Neo, I mean, when bug says she saw him, jump but he never fell i would imagine that that was erased by a deja vu cat and that's why she doesn't remember seeing him fall okay because i remember like the first viewing that he's so desperate to reach the cat and i'm like why it's just a cat why why you know everyone's fighting each other you're not worried about bullets flying or anything you just want to get to the cat what is the, what why why was he doing that um and so okay so that leads me to a second question that i think i know the answer but I was very confused when Neo or Thomas Anderson is thinking it's not real and uh, Smith kind of is woken up by seeing the gun or something like that. And he's about to shoot Neo. I guess he pulls the trigger and then all of a sudden he's back in the the analyst's room. Is that because uh, the therapist realized that he was about to die and what did a jump back in time before that could happen? Yeah, you, you, you answered your own question. So because okay. uh, we kind of got it. That's kind of where i was going with the whole bugs thing with the leap um you mentioned it with that scene where deja vu pops up right before neo's about to die i do believe that there was some sort of fail safe where mm-hmm. if neo's life was about you know was being threatened if you know if he was about to die that yeah that gave the arc excuse me the analyst the opportunity to reset things you know because he's got bullet time so he only needs a split second uh, okay so he was able to see that he was about to die and then yep. he pulled it back and then smith is back in his chains he can't get out but as smith woke at, up at, least, at least like, at least at least while neo is connected from the uh what do they call it anomalium yeah. you know that failsafe might, might not be in there once he's hacking into the matrix but did smith realize who he was when he saw the gun or it was the rain or like why did he suddenly change in that scene where they're trying to break him out the gun is the moment that we're given. Now, obviously, that was Smith's, I don't know, weapon of choice, favorite weapon, however you want to word that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it is the gun specifically that triggers him. Now, I've got a theory about this. I haven't gotten into it on my channel yet because I wanted to watch around it a couple more times. Like I said, I did the modal video because I understood, you know, after a couple of watchings, I... Mm-hmm. And, and you know reading the transcript a lot of things jumped off at the page like okay they are explaining this so i, I had enough 
concrete dialogue to point sure. to for that for this i don't have enough concrete dialogue at least not yet so that's why i haven't gotten into it so this could be like a cyberpunk exclusive right um <laughs> there's still some questions that you have that's actually impressive <laughs> yeah no that's fair i mean um six times, yeah. right um i for me because they don't really explain smith even being there fully you know mm -hmm. um i think that that's part of one of those we're not going to fully answer this maybe because of time constraints maybe because of recast with the whole hugo weaving scheduling conflict right or maybe and this is where i'm leaning it's one of those things like revolutions and we're not going to answer this so that you have something to play with so that you <laughs> can participate and come up with something on your own yeah. right and that's pretty rare that you have a movie where they don't explain everything that they give you these kind of loose ended things where you have to come up with your own answers to things Usually they don't give you that opportunity. So, right. And, and so if, if we're going to be coming up with things on our own, you know, uh, Morpheus goes to Deus Machina to set Neo free. Right. right. He's already been freed from the modal by bugs. Yeah. He explains to Neo in the bathroom and in the construct that by having programmed him as Morpheus and Smith, that was you know, the makings for some crazy sauce. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Um, so to me, because Neo wrote this version of Smith in the modal with old matrix code oh. and Smith was written with old matrix code and also set free by Neo more than the gun. I think it's Morpheus's presence that triggers smith because uh, like, he sees a bit of himself right he sees himself he sees the old code he sees the gun in the rain mm -hmm. and it just oh, all clicks oh that's that's i didn't catch that that's very perceptive yeah um okay i know we're running short oh time. and then the other there's one more thing about that that the other thing about that is after that yeah morpheus explains uh how crazy it was in the modal but he doesn't have like smith tendencies he's not agent smorpheus anymore i feel like that kind of freed the smith from the program morpheus like that part of him went back to its original source which is the real smith oh interesting that's definitely a a, a deeper theory though <laughs> you know what i mean exactly i don't have any like dialogue to to explain right, any of that. just that's a, just, just a feeling yeah. um i think one of my favorite elements of this film though is the music do you have any thoughts on the music you know what honestly okay so the music in the movie fit yeah M going into the film while i did like the movie in the original trilogy everybody's like no don davis no don davis and i was like eh, no big deal <laughs> um in the actual film i did miss him a little bit hmm. not a lot it didn't like i said it didn't take me out of it yeah. Um, and I was very excited for uh, Tom Tickfer's approach. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I don't want to say I was disappointed. I just think that Don's a little better. It's it's kind of like the Wu Ping thing. Only Wu Ping's a lot better. <laughs> yeah. I think Don's a little better. Um, okay. And like I said, it, like I said, I, I still enjoyed the music. Uh, what I will say is like the soundtrack specifically. Like for me, growing up, a soundtrack isn't necessarily the music from the movie like there might be a song here or two that was in the movie 
you know, but for the most part, a lot of times on the soundtrack, there's like songs that, you know, were like in the background or not even in the movie. It's just made for the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So well, I felt I like that's, were, what, that's what I mean. The original soundtrack, the, the OST that went with it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I felt like there was a missed opportunity, opportunity there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't feel like there was any of that kind of music and that kind of shocked me. Um, okay. Like, I, not, but, in a, like not in a good way. <laughs> for me, it was the reverse. I liked that it didn't have lots of extra songs from different things. I liked that it was mostly the soundtrack. And I felt like the soundtrack was really fast and really interesting. It was like almost exactly, it was very similar to Don Day. I mean, obviously, the one thing it really mixed, missed was the Pile Driver, right? And I know that's kind of um, very yeah. typical of, of Don Davis. Uh, and he has an amazing way. Yeah, I for sure missed Don Davis too. But I guess I had such an overwhelming fear that the music would not be good because Don Davis wasn't there. And because of that, it would ruin the entire movie no matter how good. Because I feel like music for me is so important. It's make or break. You can have an amazing right. film. And if it has bad music, bad soundtrack, it's not good. And you can have a terrible film that has a good soundtrack and it makes it redeemable. And so I felt like the music was really good. And because of that, I really enjoyed it to the point where now I want to just listen to the album, the original soundtrack on repeat, just, you know, to do basic work because I thought it was really great. You know, a lot of people had that fear going in and that's, that's what I was saying. Like that level of fear I didn't have because I felt like the music in cloud Atlas wasn't terrible to the point that it ruined the film you know what i mean like i, I like the music in cloud atlas uh yeah. i like the music in the matrix series more uh yeah. the original franchise and resurrections you know, it's a lot I guess, faster like, it's a different kind of film sure yeah no i think that as as a i guess composer uh tom tickfer has grown or developed you know what i mean like he's better than he was you know five years ago whenever cloud, cloud, cloud atlas came out mm-hmm. I see. so th- and that's that's fun for me like i like that's one thing i saw not just from a sound design or, you know, composer perspective with Tickfer, but um, the actors too, you know, the Sense8 actors, like I see uh, Priyanka Chopra, like I just saw a lot of growth. I saw mm. a lot of them better than I had seen them in their previous projects. So mm. that was really cool to see. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. You know, right. pe- pe- people yeah. putting their best foot forward for the Matrix Resurrections. Basically. Yeah, definitely. And I just, it seems like they really bonded a lot. I mean, obviously, they've been together for a lot of things. Right. Sense8, yeah. but the you could see people... you, could, you could see the chemistry with the Sense8 crew, like the actors that were in Sense8. Yeah. You could see that yeah. their chemistry was like on point. Yeah. But like Jessica Henwick and Priyanka Chopra and uh, Chrissy, uh, Christina Ricci, I feel like everyone kind of meshed really well together. I could be wrong, but I feel like they really became good friends through this. So it was a good uh, filming. Someone, one of the things I saw someone say, I don't want to misquote them, but it was something to the effect of like, they felt like Jessica was rushing her lines. Um, I think it's that she had a lot to say in a short amount of time. I don't know that it was, I I could, I could understand everything she said. Like it wasn't like I couldn't make out what she was saying. Um, But to that point, like I really felt like she carried Iron Fist Mm-hmm. Here she didn't have to carry it, so I just felt like it was a a more relaxed delivery, you yeah. know. Um, but that wasn't a bad thing. Like I felt like it fit the role. Like I believed that she was that character, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's not like she was nonchalant. Like there was definitely emotion. Like when she hugged um, Morpheus, it was like like I was surprised. I was like, oh, where'd that come from? <laughs> you know. But like in a good way, you know. Like yeah. I like again, there were things that I felt invited the audience to feel. Mm-hmm. that I could see was a result of exceptionally well, exceptionally good writing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I, I did, you know, 
beyond the glitch. I wrote that. Right. And like, so from that perspective, I could just see these different writer beats that I, it's like, I'm nowhere near that level. Like I mm. don't think like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was, I really liked her performance. Yeah. But unfortunately um, I think we are going to have to cut off here because we're going on over an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, we can... ho- hopefully with the, yeah, with the cleanup, you can like squeeze it and make it fit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no worries. Yeah. I'll, I'll be able to fix, uh, fix that. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much, um, Laz, for coming on again. Um, this is your second time on the show. Really appreciate having you on. And I only twice. Ready. I thought I thought we did this three times. This is only the second. I think it's only been twice. Yeah. Um, well, like you said, we've done other people's podcasts together. We've so. done other people's podcasts. That's right. But like on the actual Type One Matrix podcast, I think this is only your second time. Wow. But you know, we're we're constantly running into each other and everything, so it's wow. it's fine. So thank you so much, Laz, for coming on to Cyberpunk Matrix cyberpunk matrix podcast um cyberpunk matrix is your one-stop shop for everything cyberpunk um we have the cyberpunk matrix blog um that you can read and see all the details um for all the latest cyberpunk news the cyberpunk matrix podcast that you're listening to now is available on all of your major streaming platforms if you're listening to it on itunes make sure to give it a five-star rating um and we are also on uh, youtube with the cyberpunk matrix youtube channel uh, where you can listen to the podcast, but also see some reaction videos and things like that. So if you go on YouTube, make sure to give it a thumbs up, click the notification bell, and um, subscribe if you don't want to miss out for all the latest news. So again, Laz, thank you so much for listening. This has been your Cy- Cyberpunk Matrix podcast with your host, Alex. Over and out. You have just been in the cyberspace with your host, Alex. Welcome back to the desert of the real. If your upload was smooth, leave a five-star review on iTunes and subscribe for more content.